0: Oh, welcome to the sound, sound, I literally wrote sound, oh, welcome to the Song Heart Connection podcast. Today's episode is on giving thanks, COVID edition. Okay, I'm not keeping that up, that's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> Wow. Uh, I've decided to stay in my robe post-shower as I record this, but now I'm thinking that's probably not a good idea. Uh, Taylor said I should record these as naturally as humanly possible, but now I'm questioning that logic. Uh, It's 2 p.m., a fine time to be lounging on a Sunday afternoon. I've got some black mango tea that I've mixed with my leftover morning coffee, so I am properly caffeinated, arguably over-caffeinated. We'll see shortly if that wasn't proof enough. Uh, Anyway, I have to mention that we are at over... 250 downloads which I so appreciate and after checking the stats the song heart connection has reached people in Germany, Japan and Ireland. That's nuts. I know who's in Germany, at least I think I do. Hey Meg, hey Walter, maybe? Hmm? Um but Tokyo and Dublin? No clue. Very cool. So let me start out by saying thank you to everyone who has listened to this along the way coast to coast i see in the united states cheers to episode six right before the pandemic hit my bestie treated me and a few friends to an amazing sound bath at mama's wellness in philly i had never been to a sound bath so naturally i had some subtle reservations the most woo woo thing i've probably ever done was purchase crystals to help clear my chakras And received a tarot card reading in the Berkshires last summer. Or two summers ago. Yeah, 2019. Um, I'm working up to reenacting Galus's druid scene in season one from Outlander. Minus the pregnancy. Or with it, who's to know? Um, Okay, back to the sound bath. It really does feel like I'm constantly swimming in music all day long anyway. So I wasn't expecting anything monumental to reach me emotionally... Spiritually or otherwise, I was looking forward to spending some quality time with a few gal pals in a relaxed scene with some low-key drone. Basta cozy, see you later, so I thought. There were pillows, blankets, a beautiful focal point in the center of the room, colorful wildflowers and greenery laid about in the lovely design. Quick flashback. Uh, I remember sitting down for a beer with this very special guy one night after work in Boston a couple years ago. And he asked me if I was familiar with ayahuasca. At that time, I'd never heard of it. But after he described its function and transformative purpose, my mind immediately went to Toby's initiation. (laughs) Here we go. Take two. Toby's initiation scene from the Emerald Forest. Have you guys seen this movie? Uh, 80s, maybe? eighty-five. It's an incredible movie that I actually need to revisit as an adult. Uh, for whatever reason, I watched it as a child, and the ceremony scene is ingrained in my psyche. My mom put on a lot of wild movies for us once upon a time, and in hindsight, probably much too young. Uh, I digress. Okay, ayahuasca and psilocybin, though not part of my lifestyle, have become regular points of conversation with family, friends, acquaintances, romantic interests as well as my trauma-related coursework. I know, I'm on a tangent. I'll be back soon. I do promise. Um, For those of you who might not know about ayahuasca, it's a brew made from two plants with hallucinogenic properties. Um, Taking it leads to an altered level of consciousness due to psychoactive substances in the ingredients. I bring up ayahuasca because the sound bath was as close to a condensed spiritual journey I've ever taken. While some describe years worth of therapy occurring during one ayahuasca ceremony, my experience wasn't quite that intense, but it was certainly significant. One hour of lying on the ground proved similar for me. I was able to access repressed feelings and connect with important people and relationships solely while being bathed in different vibrations, overtones, patterns, and sounds. This conversation with this gentleman spiked my curiosity about spiritual and emotional journeying, but uh, at that time, I hadn't even tried pot yet. Uh, Fast forward two years to that summer in the Berkshires when I smoked weed for the first time at 34 years old. Yeah, that was something. Uh, Fear really is a fascinating subject, and more on that later. Okay, so we laid down and opened with a gentle meditation. I felt relaxed and quite comfortable in the company of my friends. And just being around the corner from my apartment in Washington Square West, partaking in such an event on my turf also proved familiar and settling. I'll share verbatim what I wrote in my journal and then expand on a couple details. Quote, I saw what I believed to be my person, tall in a meadow or field, wearing a white shirt and jeans, light brown hair and a light brown beard. There was a haze over the vision that implied purity He was handsome and the image was peaceful. He had his head down and appeared to be walking toward me. I cried. Low, strong vibrations created a throbbing, pulsating sensation in my third eye, awareness. Sounds that created a minor third and dissonant tones reminded me of my parents. Highest pitches and vibrations that ran up and down ignited heart and spirit, but also childlike feelings and chaos. The final sequence was the only time I didn't feel panic. In the middle of the session, a wave of cold overcame me. I covered my body with the blanket. Certain sounds created chills and tingles. Amazing. End quote. Uh, Those are the cliff notes. I could go on and on about this experience and highlight every detail as it arose and lived within my body that night. But I'd more like to discuss two moments... The dissonant tones and minor third sequence that brought up feelings and memories of my parents, and the high pitched, swift scaling that channeled uh, inner child unrest until the final playout. Once a musical pattern was introduced, it lingered for a substantial amount of time until the next soundscape was introduced. We had an opportunity to bathe in the sound for a couple minutes and then we moved on. Uh, Nothing felt abrupt as the practitioner segued from one sound to the next. It was quite the bath. The dissonant clashing and then eventual minor third featured my parents. I felt caught here, completely stuck, and had to wait for the discomfort to pass. There was no harmony in my home growing up, only fighting, arguing, violence, and aggression. My mom shared a journal entry of hers from 1994, in which I said, quote, how can I sleep with so much anger in the house? I was nine. <clears throat> Every time we returned to this theme in the sound bath, a new memory or sensation related to events and feelings involving my parents arose. Mostly, I felt helpless and uncomfortable. It's no wonder my people pleasing runs deep. I just wanted peace. Rather, I should say I really wanted love and would have settled for peace. The underlying thought here is this. These feelings of opposition are still coming up, and I have much more healing to invite into my life as I unravel myself from the mess that existed in my childhood. And without realizing I was doing so, I worked my ass off over the years to try to accommodate both parents' needs pre- and post-divorce. But that's backwards. And I'll elaborate on that another day. Okay, and now. The high-pitched scaling. Think piccolo timbre. I'll demonstrate to the best of my ability what these sequences sounded like. Uh, It was piercing, actually. (laughs) I wanted to jump out of my skin when I heard this, and the theme returned approximately four or five times. My inner child was running wild, and the sound presented what I believed to be my young self. There are a few things to examine here. As this incessant, erratic scale moved up and down and up and down, swiftly and relentless, this reflected how I felt growing up, as I mentioned earlier. My insides often raced as the observer of two parents at war for 20 years. The tones ran back and forth and up and down, and that is how I spent much of my life, seeking approval and attention while trying to diffuse a ticking time bomb. Much like these tones made me feel during the sound bath, it was exhausting. I also feel these tones represented the child that never was. While I initially interpreted these sounds as negative, they also carried positive tones, representing the light, joyful, and playful qualities. My soul was old by the time I was five. The weight of my parents' unhappy marriage was the foundation of our lives. They were miserable, and that influence impacted our growth. I wasn't allowed to get dirty, Break things by accident, run around the house, make noise. I wasn't encouraged to be a true kid. As these high-pitched sequences returned, I let my inner child run wild as I laid there observing my young self act careless, spirited, and free. The life I should have had flashed before my eyes, and there was much healing in observing that, all the while remembering that observation alone cannot fully heal trauma. The final play of the instrument, I felt at ease. My inner journey felt complete. I want to say thank you to my friends who offer expansion in my life, who continuously present me with opportunities for growth and do so with love. The sound bath came at a necessary time and I didn't know it acted as a precursor to the next course of events. I had no idea the next five months would be spent in lockdown. None of us did, right? And uh, by some miracle, the O'Donnell family invited me to spend quarantine with them in their home. The next portion of the episode will detail how I recreated my childhood as an adult under the care of a happily married couple and their kids who genuinely embody love, empathy, compassion, courage, creativity, trust, communication, and strength. Quote, to heal trauma, you have to be unrealistically optimistic. Optimism is a refusal to accept things as they are. It is not, however, a denial of how things are. That's Mastin Kipp, one of my favorite trauma therapists. I've come to learn that resolving trauma has very little to do with self-help. I don't care how many books or articles you've read on the subject, or how frequently you play therapist with your friends and offer them advice, trauma lives in the body. And the most proven way to heal it is by embracing new experiences and forging trusting relationships. It takes embodiment and practice and commitment to living in the new to eliminate old patterns. Our brains cannot do this work for us. It's absolutely not a spectator sport. Integration is key. I met the O'Donnell family, David, Dana, Abigail, and Garrett, in 2002 or 2003, still up for debate, I think. Um, I became their regular babysitter during my senior year of high school and continued to babysit during my visits to Wellington on the weekends and on college breaks. I was mad about these kids. They were such a joy to be around. Happy, carefree, playful, spunky sweethearts that had no problem calling me out on my lack of understanding the difference between a hawk and a fal- falcon. And to this day, it's still the same. A day spent with them was a lesson in love and nature. After school babysitting turned into day trips to Disney. Day trips to Disney turned into occasional weekends away for David and Dana, which meant sleepovers for me and the kids. They became as much a family to me as I did them. The O'Donnells welcomed me with open arms and open hearts and claimed me as their own during a time when I felt detached and dissociated from my family. Over the last 18 years, they've treated me like gold, overpaying me for babysitting, pet sitting, and house sitting, sending me to the Bahamas to stay in their villa, treating me to their traditional St. Paddy's Day affairs downtown, supporting me in my musical endeavors, opening their home to me time and time again as I visit West Palm, and so much more. There have been many incredible memories made with the O'Donnell family over the years, but there were two points in my adult life that I shared with them that have meant more to me than I could possibly express, and I'm going to do my best to expand on just one of them. <clears> hmm. <throat> David and Dana have a marriage that resembles how I would describe a more realistic version of what they sell in movies. I had reached my own positive conclusions on their partnership, having observed it over the years, but I became an integrated part of their family dynamic when I moved into their home at the end of March and was no longer an observer. I was an adult child living at home with them. Abby and Garrett, both grown, were also there. And for all intents and purposes, I truly became part of their family. I had to learn not to apologize, both with my physical actions and my words. I felt in the way for a while, not because they made me feel this way, entirely the opposite. This is how I felt growing up in my own house. And it's insane how easily that behavior stays stuck in our bodies. And you know who eventually called me out on this? Garrett. The now 21-year-old, who is older, wiser, and whose heart has grown even larger than I could have imagined, showed me love by gently addressing my wounds. Our friendship blossomed this summer as we took online hip-hop classes together, went for jogs in the preserve, made masked Publix runs, and poured each other's coffee in the morning. This wonderful gent flew to Philly to help me move out of my apartment and drove a van down the East Coast with me just because. We spoke of politics, environmental causes, listened to podcasts, played chess, shared lots of hugs, and spent oodles of time in the company of one another. His views and meticulously formed opinions inspire me to be better. They also challenge me to dig deeper and provoke much reflection and attention to thought. He is one of the most incredible young men I've ever met. His care and love for our planet and everyone and everything that happens on it leaves me astonished at times. His passionate, empathetic nature is infectious, and I can't wait to see how he will continue to change our world for the better. I value our heart-to-hearts, especially the ones that caught us both by surprise. I had to swallow my pride this summer, as I know many did, through losing jobs and homes during the pandemic. Though I still had my place in Philly, living with the O'Donnells seemed like a much healthier environment to ride out quarantine. I packed my plants and cats and hit the road. Yes. They also housed my cats for five months. Can you imagine? Push and Kitten were eventually gifted the nicknames Mean Kitty and No-Show Kitty. David and Dana are saints. <laughs> a good side rant that's relevant. Okay, an O'Donnell family birthday tradition is breakfast in bed. My birthday, May 7th, came and I was met in bed with a most glorious breakfast and a beautiful birthday serenade. I felt cared for and appreciated Such a sweet gesture had me smiling ear to ear, and I was on cloud nine that morning. Until, I should mention before I continue, that a brand new, stunning couch had arrived at the O'Donnells shortly before I showed up. A huge, rich, blue suede sectional that comfortably seated ten people was uh, consumed the family room. And uh, as I walked downstairs, Dana shrieked and said, What is this? I walked over to the couch to find fresh poop on the corner nook. As I was in shock, my cats had never pooped outside their litter box before. I naturally insisted it must have been their dog. Not my cats. No, 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 no. And not on my birthday. Absolutely not. I couldn't wrap my head around it. (sighs) Next to that, I was obviously mortified. As I came to process what had happened, the shock and denial quickly wore off. And I apologized on behalf of my pets. And then I broke down. <laughs> Sobbed in Dana's embrace and said, I'm 35 today living upstairs in your house, and my cat's just ruined your couch. This is the worst day ever. <laughs> it reminded me of the scene from The Family Stone when SJP, Diane Keaton, and Rachel McAdams are all swimming on the kitchen floor in the uncooked egg dish. You know, somewhere between sobs and laughter. Uh, I eventually got over my embarrassment, to which Abby reminded me, well, it wasn't you that pooped on the couch now, was it? The kicker was, David was on a trip and found the couch cover drying in the sun after Dana and I had tried to clean it. He said, hey, Dee, why is the couch without its covers right now? I answered, Dana didn't tell you? No, he said, (laughs) so I had to explain everything. When I saw Dana later, I mentioned, I surely thought you would have told David what happened. To which she replied, oh no. Same thing I told Abby and Garrett when they used to say, please don't tell daddy. I'm not going to tell him. You're going to tell him. I seriously felt 10 years old. (laughs) But I respected the mentality and the emphasis placed on communication and integrity. David and Dana cherish each other. Something I believe is missing in many relationships or the notion appears elusive at times. A specific moment to reflect on the day, each other, and their shared life. Glow time was a non-negotiable. Every night at sunset, a glass of wine was poured and the announcement would be made. This was a ritual established between them that dated I don't even know how far back, but was honored every night we were home. We gathered outside and watched the sun go down behind the preserve and celebrated another day together. Such a simple pleasure and yet so meaningful. I loved it and regularly reflected on the importance of quality time, one of my favorite love languages. In June, I submitted for a job at Northern Arizona University. I was thrilled for the opportunity to apply as I have ties to NAU and the position was advertised specifically for a mezzo. As it is for many full-time positions these days, NAU requires performance videos as supplemental material. Being that I fully committed to teaching and haven't performed in some time, I only had a few recordings to choose from, and none of them were particularly recent. I felt qualified for the position, given my many years teaching at the collegiate level and my commitment to professional development, but I did not have anything to show for as a recent performer. My tone and attitude became one of defeat, deflation, sadness, and disappointment. The application was complete, minus this detail. All of my feelings of imposter syndrome as a singer showed up in one full swoop. Dana looked at me and said, I know what you're feeling right now. I know that expression on your face. You're thinking you're not enough. You're wrong. You are enough, Desiree. You are talented, intelligent, and deserving of this. Find a way and send it in. That moment felt as if someone had turned the cold water on instead of the hot in the middle of a shower. (laughs) It was jolting, and I felt scene and while the vulnerability of that moment had me in complete disbelief the transparency of the conversation proved much for me to meditate on thereafter the candles are lit and music is always playing against the aroma of whatever is in the oven this scene is probably one of my odonnell favorites one night at dinner david put on a classical music playlist pavarotti was singing i think it was una furtiva lagrima but i can't i can't remember uh, and David began asking about his instruments specifically, the sounds he was making, and the mechanics of the voice. He must have hit the nerd switch in me because I took off talking vocal pedagogy at the speed of light while highlighting specific details of his performance and how vocal color, dynamics, and phrasing all lends to the drama of the text, yada, yada, yada. <clears throat> he asked me some questions. I pointed out a few more details and then returned to the neglected salmon on my plate. He stared at me, squinting and smiling, shaking his head, and said, It's amazing how this stuff fires you up. You're really in your element here, and it's a beautiful thing to witness. It occurred to me in that moment that my own father had never posed such interest and curiosity in my work or career as a teacher. There was a small part of me that, sorry to admit, questioned David's enthusiasm in the discussion, assuming he couldn't possibly be enjoying such a detailed report on something that made me so happy. Many things in my life have been overlooked or otherwise dismissed by parents or partners, deemed unworthy of attention or exploration. My family dinners growing up were silent and fear-driven. At this dinner, the art of family conversation was exposed. There were many moments of growth in my relationship with David over the summer, but this was a major turning point. I learned to trust the father of the house. My Abby started quarantine at home with me, G, and the parents. We baked a finely crafted apple pie together, celebrated her graduating from the University of Florida, and spent plenty of nights gabbing on my bed, or hers and PJ's, eating chocolate and discussing the important things in life. I remember a conversation on the patio about love, balance, and spirituality that had had me taken aback, thinking, this girl has grown up, and now she's teaching you as you once did her. One of the hardest, but try that again. One of the hardest, but most meaningful things I witnessed while staying with the O'Donnells was seeing the evolution of the child leave the home to start her life. Abby had to make the difficult decision in choosing where to spend most of quarantine, with her partner Elliot, or at home with her family. Naturally, David and Dana wanted their clan under one roof during such a scary, trying time in world history. And Abby wanted that too, but she also wanted to be with her boyfriend, not knowing what the future may bring while navigating uncharted territory amidst a pandemic. It was expressed to me by Dana that she absolutely wanted Abigail home, though she would support whatever decision she made. And it was expressed to me by Abigail that she felt divided and very much wished she could spend it with her family and Elliot simultaneously. There were significant growing pains here. Many tears were shed. As Abby chose to stay with her boyfriend, knowing she would likely disappoint her mom, dad, and brother. But at the end of the day, there was always respect in check. There were no underlying elements of codependency. No one catered to the other person's needs for the sake of keeping the peace. No one made demands or made the other party feel guilty of their decisions. Everyone executed self-trust, and they got through it, though no doubt painful. Round two came when Abby embarked on her first job out of college, landing a sweet gig in Colorado, working with horses at an equine hospital. Just as quickly as she returned home after graduation, she was packing up her life a month later to move across the country. We celebrated her with enthusiasm and tears of joy. I watched as her parents applauded her drive and perseverance and acknowledged that while they would miss her, they remained in their happiness knowing she was moving on to do wonderful things with her new life in her new home. This was a fantastic reminder that staying true to yourself and honoring your dreams, no matter what the heartache, proves most rewarding. And as I often remind myself, now I'll remind you the same. This ain't no dress rehearsal. We're given one life. Real life is what you make of it. And it sure as hell better be authentic. These podcasts are not made to parade my life's details about for the sake of attention. This is how I choose to create art. These memories are offered as lessons and reflections for those who wish to interpret them as such and to give others encouragement to share their stories fearlessly. This was recorded as a thank you to this wonderful family on the week of Thanksgiving. Looking at my wishboard, one-third of the poster shows clippings of Two Naked Lovers in Bed The word family, a pregnant woman with her man holding a headset on her belly, a romantic kiss in front of the ocean, a fiddler on the roof, two kids climbing a waterfall, the word joy, a cherub holding wedding bands, and a quote that reads, who says you can't have it all? David, Dana, Abby, and Garrett, thank you for always reminding me that I can have it all and for showing me that I have to look forward, (laughs) showing me what I have to look forward to in years to come. I wouldn't be who and where I am today if it weren't for you. This was episode six of the Song Heart Connection podcast, giving thanks, COVID edition. Thank you so much for listening.